just um, <clears throat> yeah, just for um, just for the sake of time, and, uh, and just some of the scriptures that I had in this week. Um, I'm not going to really focus on them very much uh, this week. Um, take more time, uh, prayer, and study for them. Um, but just I just want to highlight just a few things. Um, I want to go back to my first week um, that I preached, uh, not last week, but the week before. And then last week, and then uh, I want to touch a little bit on the Lord's Supper and see how we can kind of wrap, wrap up things and make a, a cohesive whole. Um, the first week, first week we talked about an uninteresting story and what that looks like. We looked at what Jesus had to say in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, 17 to 19, and we saw Jesus' grief and frustration his lamenting about the broader society around him. Especially those who criticized him for not fitting into the mold of the rest of society. And we learned that, uh, that those in the broader society, they felt threatened. They felt threatened by his life, by his miracles, by his healings, by his compassion for the poor and the lost. And yet they had no interest in lifting the burden of the oppressed or seeing the wrongs in their own life. We think about today, and Jason touched on that in his prayer. And uh, we look at a young, young man, Riley, who lost his life. Just a senseless thing. It doesn't make sense. It's frustrating because you wish you can turn back time. You wish you can stop it. And bring him back again. And so you can feel as a community, we can, Jesus is lamenting within us. His spirit is lamenting. As he did back then, he's lamenting today. He's lamenting within us by his Holy Spirit. He's crying out. He's asking each of us and the church to do what we can to alleviate the burdens that are under our control. And he said, we played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. For John came not eating or drinking. And he said he has a demon. The son of man comes drinking and eating. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. And we see that that complaining, it stems from a life that's dull. Like conforming to the negative patterns. Joining in with the hate of the day. Joining in with the hate, the social media, the rhetoric, the anger. We continue to see that happen today. We sang a happy song, but nobody danced. We played a funeral song and nobody cried. John came one way, but you accused him of being possessed. I took a different approach, but you accused me of being drunk, a glutton, a friend of unholy people. And you know, today things haven't changed that much. It really hasn't. We know that God never changes, but you know, people don't change either. They don't often change their ways. And politely put, the deeds of all this is really a very uninteresting story that fails to have any positive impact on the people around them. Jesus lamented, and he continues to lament. He continues to grieve. 
that we could feel that in our spirits as we pray, as we hope, as we seek, as we cry out for those that we really just want to see find peace and to begin to see the life that our Lord Jesus wants to give them. But we know that God won't force anybody into his kingdom. He wants us to come with a willing heart, a willing spirit. Yes, he will compel us to come. It's his spirit. He wants willing hearts. But to be sure, conformity to the negative cultural patterns is not the same as consistency and responsibility. I shared that. To consistency and responsibility to raise your family, to run your business, to show up for work, to do your work faithfully. It's, it's really, these are God-honoring character traits that we want to show. But Jesus came to show us that there's something bigger, something deeper. The purpose of John's preaching and his miracles was to move people to see that something was missing in their own souls and to point them to the one that desires that their story, our story, be one with his story, the triune story, and this glorifies his name. As we think of the family that lost their son, as we think of the Vanderlinen family who lost Sam suddenly, as we think of Palestine and Israel, we cry out for them. And we ask for God's Spirit to move, to speak, to comfort, to bring wisdom, to bring a real sense of His presence in the midst of the chaos that's around us. So how can we tell if our life is an an uninteresting one? Well, wisdom is proved right by her deeds, says Jesus. What is this person doing or saying? What are we doing and saying? And this really gives a good clue to what's in a person's heart. And just when I look at Circle Square Ranch, I can't look in anybody's heart, but I see those leaders there worshiping God, spending their time loving those kids, helping them to enter into worship, to have fun, to create community, and all the work that goes behind the scenes. I just say wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Each of you, by virtue of you just being here today, showing up for church, getting dressed, getting in your car and coming here, shows that God is, is working through you. And that we all want to go against the way that society wants to go, which is always going to be one of negativity, criticism, materialism, selfishness. Wisdom is proved right by our deeds. The second week we talked about a harvest of thanksgiving, but it could more properly be titled a a story of thanksgiving, a story of gratitude. As we said last week, being thankful is often not so simple. It's like someone saying, don't be sick. Just don't be sick. Just get better. It's not that simple at first. And we talked about the passage from Paul the Apostle in Philippians 4, 4-9 and Psalm 69. And we see these themes all through Scripture. 
We learn that there's incredible challenges that God put before King David and Paul. David, he had people turn against him. And he cried out to God continually. And God is asking each of us to cry out to him continually. The work that I do up on this pulpit is really not what matters. It's what I do in private. It's what I do when I'm away from here. It's when I cry out to God from Monday to Friday. And often I fail to do that because I get in my own headspace. And yet it's, it's what we do during the week that matters, that informs our hearts on a Sunday morning. And what Paul says in this passage in Philippians 4, 4 to 9, and uh, what David said in Psalm 69, I will praise God's name in song and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. Both of those men were far from perfect. But the faith that David, that God worked in David, helped him not to conform to the patterns around him. Paul was also a man who dealt with shipwrecks, cold hunger, bandits, persecution from Gentiles and his own people. And yet he could say, rejoice in the Lord. So even in the midst of all that's going on today, all the news stories, the deaths, the cancer, the surgeries, we could continue to rejoice in the Lord and rejoice again. And as we do, we can let our gentleness be evident to everyone. Because the Lord, the Lord is near. And even in Palestine and Israel and Ukraine and Russia, the Lord is near. His spirit covers the whole earth. And so Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. That's that's hard to do. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I talked a little bit about that story of Walter Shizak, who was a man that uh, spent 15 years in, in a prison system in, in Russia. And he was a Catholic priest. And, and yet he was able to find God's peace as he helped those men. And he continued to talk about the Lord and do what he could to bring Christ's presence. And he learned God's peace even in that hellhole. It was actually possible. But we also learn that it's hard when we're steeped in sin, when we have sinful patterns. It distorts our perspective of reality. It really does. We do have to deal with things that are wrong. We do have to deal with sin. We do need to ask permission from those we love to point some things out. We need to put our phone down often, turn the screens off in order to make this happen. The good news is that Jesus will help us and the Christian community here is tasked to support each other in this quest. And then we can begin to focus on what is pure, right, lovely, admirable and exercise that thanksgiving muscle that God wants us to have. This takes faith. It takes a lot of work to be different from the culture around us. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of humility. But you know, it does get easier. And we will experience God's peace that passes all understanding. I believe that. 
And it's possible even in the midst of suffering and chaos, when life doesn't make sense, we can experience the one who does make sense. And his name is Jesus. And as we do, we will see that our spirits are joined with his spirit and that there's no insignificant moments in our lives. We will begin to see the mystery of his unseen hand protecting us. And you know, our perspective will change. So the call is to have an interesting story. A story of gratitude and thanksgiving that will shine the light of Jesus to all those around us. And that will give great glory to our Heavenly Father. And it will draw others to Him as we do. Today we celebrated the Lord's Supper as commanded by our Lord in Scripture. These are one of the two sacraments of the Christian Reformed Church called the means of grace. The first is a baptism, which we all had as infants. And this is an outward symbol, a washing that Jesus does when he made us right in his Father's eyes by the finished work of the cross and by a trusting response to the ultimate climax of all creation, the Word of God becoming human, then humiliated on a death on a Roman cross, and resurrected, and now rightful heir of all things as he stands at the Father's right hand. The Lord's Supper is called Communion, or the Eucharist. They said last week, it comes from the Greek word Eucharist, meaning thanksgiving. A supper of thanksgiving because we believe in the great story of thanksgiving that we are now part of. This meal that we had today, it's an outward act of remembering, of obedience. It's not a passive thing. It's not an uninteresting thing. It's not a dull thing. It's an act of obedience and trust. A supper of thanksgiving because it is a story of thanksgiving. It's not a legalistic thing either. Back in the day, I know that if you drop the bread or you spilled the wine, it was a big problem. They didn't know what to do with it. And so it was only the priest that could hold the cup. There were so many rules and regulations around it. That just made it into a legalistic... It's not that at all. The Lord's Supper is about our heart. It's about where we are with Him. It's about looking inward. And it's about looking upward. It's about knowing who He is. And then offering him thanks in response. And not only thanks, he's asking us to pay it forward. He's asking us to pay it forward. And I know this past week, my wife Heather, she just encouraged me. I was feeling down and she encouraged me. And it just really gave me the courage to actually pay it forward to someone else. And I quickly picked up the phone. I called that person and I encouraged them. I paid it forward. And that's what God wants us to do with the thanksgiving that he's put in our heart. To pay it forward. Our lives are not an uninteresting story. 
because Jesus Christ is not an uninteresting story. He changes lives. He transforms lives. And we can trust that as we come here as a community and we partake in this Lord's Supper and this meal, that he does in some way a mystery that we don't understand. He fills us. He fills us with his presence. He gives us a knowledge of his will. He cleanses us from sin. And then he's asking us to go. To go and pay it forward with thanksgiving. To rejoice. To continually pray. And to step up. And make a difference. It's not about the big things. It's about the little things. Christ himself said those who will be first shall be last and those who are last shall be first. It's not about being noticed. It's not about even here on Sunday morning. It's what we do during the week. It's what we do in private. It's what we do in our small conversations. Let's be thankful. Let's continue to rejoice. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to fight the good fight of faith. There's a lot going on in our world. We don't have the answers. And oftentimes we do have to shut the screens off. We do. And just praise Him. Just thank Him. Just love Him. Just enjoy Him. And then ask Him, what can I do to pay it for? that somebody else can experience the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through us, through His Spirit within us. Let us bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, You are an awesome God. You are a good, good Father. And even though we don't understand so many of the things that are happening around us and within us, whether it's divisions, whether it's strife in the family, whether it's cancer, whether it's a a death far too soon. We don't understand. And yet, Lord, you're asking us to continually look to the cross, to continually look to the hope that we have in the resurrection. And continually offer thanks as we do. We thank you for who you are. We invite you. We invite you to do what only you could do. And help us to do what you're asking us to do by paying it forward. We love you. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Son. In the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll invite the worship team forward. Please stand.